Hello, and welcome to our very first inaugural episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your welcome, friendly host of the Business Creators Radio Show. And just to tell you a little bit about what the show is about, as the name says, our listeners are business creators. They basically fall into four categories. You have your entrepreneurs, your small business owners, and local business owners, marketing and business coaches, folks who help others build their businesses. These are virtual assistants, online business managers. They are marketing and business coaches also fall into this category because they help others build their businesses. They are social media managers. They're web designers, graphic designers. They're publicity agents. Anybody who helps anybody else succeed in online marketing. And this show is for the do-it-yourselfers who run your own business and like to have your own hands on the lever. So if you are one or more of the above, make sure to check out www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, explore our episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at business. Now, as I said, this is our very first episode ever. So remember, always check in at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com to find out who the upcoming guests are going to be, what the upcoming topics are going to be, and also to explore our previous episodes. Make sure to search for Business Creators Radio Show on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. And any five-star ratings you can leave us would be greatly appreciated. So I am excited beyond sweet excitement to introduce our very first inaugural guest, Jessica Rhodes of Entrepreneur Support Services. Jessica, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Adam. Thanks so much for welcoming me to the first episode. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely, and I am so glad that we could have you here. I could not think of a better way to start us off, especially since one of the businesses that you run, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, is a service that helps people like me and like you and many of our listeners find guests for their radio shows, their podcasts, their teleseminars and webinars, and we'll talk about that along with the Pinterest marketing and the infographics. So for those of you listening, let me just tell you a little bit about Jessica. Jessica Rhodes is the founder and president of Entrepreneur Support Services, which is a business that provides various administrative and marketing support services to busy entrepreneurs and small business owners. Entrepreneur Support Services is the parent company to InterviewConnections.com, the premier source for booking outstanding guests for your podcast, and it's also it is also the parent company for PinterestInfographics.com, which basically does what the domain says. It helps you with Pinterest marketing, and it helps you with creating infographics, which Jessica is going to tell us a bit about. Jessica is highly skilled at social media marketing and specializes in using Pinterest and specifically custom infographics to drive tons of traffic to her clients' websites. She founded Entrepreneur Support Services so she could stay at home with her six-month-old son, Nathan, who she often refers to as her vice president. I know many times I'm chatting with Jessica, and she says, sorry, I'll be back in a half hour. My VP needs me. Great, great. So are you ready to dive into today's topic? I'm totally ready, Adam. I am fired up and ready to go. All right, all right. And I, and I know I've gotten some messages uh, through Facebook and an email from people who are so excited about uh, Pinterest marketing and infographics. But before we dive into that, let's take a step back. Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start Entrepreneur Support Services as a company. Absolutely. Well, as mentioned in my intro, um, 
I started Entrepreneur Support Services to stay at home with my son, Nathan. But first I want to just um, tell everyone that in a past life, <laughs> in my life before becoming an entrepreneur, I worked at a nonprofit organization for many, many years. Um, so I was not at all in business, not at all in entrepreneurship. I was directing a door-to-door team of fundraisers. So totally different from what I'm doing now, but I really gained a lot of the skills in that job that is helping me grow my business. Um, I right. communication skills, those sales skills. I actually just learned recently that Zig Ziglar was a door-to-door salesman, so I feel like I have some connection to him now that I also right. went door-to-door. <laughs> um, you know, so really when I became pregnant with my son, I knew I wanted to stay at home, and my dad, who some people might know is uh, Jim Palmer, um, pretty well known in you know entre- the entrepreneurship world, um, told me about the virtual assistant industry. I had not a clue what it was. I'd never heard of the term before, um, but honestly, it's the most perfect fit for my life, um, and I built a business that I love, a lifestyle that I love where I can be at home with my son, I can be doing work that's very enjoyable, um, and helping others grow their business so they can also have a life they love. So that's just a little bit about me and my business. Three interesting points about your background that I have to pull out. Number one, uh, you mentioned that for many years you worked for a nonprofit. Uh, so did I. And in fact, really? in fact um, I worked for a nonprofit organization for four and a half years that managed contracts for behavioral health care for Medicaid and Medicare recipients. That, that's the nonprofit I worked for for four and a half years. But I also, for one day, worked for the same nonprofit that you worked for. Really, Adam, this is why I love interviews is because I've known you a long time, and I did not know that. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. I was going to do it as a summer job, and uh I tried it it out for one day, and it's for some people. It wasn't quite for me. Uh, I thought it could have been fun for somebody who was really into it, but I know that what that organization does is very good. It's very important, so I commend you for being involved in that. And I know that you and your your husband are involved in a number of social causes, and I've always admired that. So that's point number one. Yeah. Point number two is not only was Zig Ziglar a door-to-door salesman, so was one of my own personal mentors and role models, Armin Morin. That's kind of where he got his start. He was selling, I believe it was vacuum cleaners or something along those lines, mm-hmm. door-to-door. So he, I mean, he was door-to-door for a while, too. It's you know, it's not the first time. And I dabbled in getting involved with, um, I can't remember the name of the company. It was one of the most popular ones, basically selling cutting knife or cooking knives door-to-door. I think it might have been Cutco or something. That's something else mm-hmm. I also dabbled in during my college years when I was trying to find an alternative to working in fast food. Uh, oh, back yeah. In, when I was, yeah. Back when I was in college, uh, if I had known or it even or if the virtual assistance industry had existed at the time, I probably would have done that because here I was, I was a Penn State, I was a political science major, and I was spending a lot of free time down at the computer lab dabbling on GeoCities trying to figure out how to put websites together. Uh, it was about 10 years before things changed in my life. I ended up in the internet marketing industry, but retrospectively, it was a clue that I was sitting down in the computer lab tinkering with websites when I had finals and I had term papers about political science stuff that were due. So that was... Wow. The third thing is you and I both know Jim Palmer. Uh, He, of course, is not only your business mentor, but he's also your dad, and he's one of my business mentors and one of my clients, and he's a very good friend of mine, somebody who's been very influential to me in business. So that's three very important things we have in common. 
Yes, well, that's so cool. I I really had no idea about your background in nonprofit, and maybe I, I knew about it, but we never talked about it. And it's so cool how that, that door-to-door work really gives you a lot of skills. And I, I almost feel apologetic when I tell people that I was that person that knocked on your door at 7 o'clock, but honestly, I don't think any salesperson in the world would fault anyone for that because it's exactly how you get results is talking to people directly. So that's so cool. Absolutely. Now, here on the Business Creators Radio Show, for those of you who are just tuning in, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. Now, I've watched with great interest how just in the past few months you've so quickly grown Entrepreneur Support Services and its divisions, interviewconnections.com and pinsertsinfographics.com. So if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about a couple of the techniques or the strategies you've used to so quickly get established, get a reputation, get the ball rolling, and start getting in some clients. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, thanks for that question. I really appreciate you, um, you know, recognizing and having that opinion of me. It means a lot. Um, honestly, sure. how I've grown my business is really all about relationships. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I actually learned in my past job was taking care of people is taking care of business. If you take care of people, if you focus on relationships, you're going to grow your business, um, you're going to grow your profits, and you're going to grow your fan base. And so that's what I've really done. Um, I really, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I had a zero online presence when I started. And I really it didn't even start my online presence as a virtual assistant for several months um, after becoming a virtual assistant. So I really had to really start from scratch in terms of um, getting to know people and finding clients. And so social media is just a huge part of it. Um, being active on social media, um, I know a lot of probably time management coaches, productivity coaches really do say, shut down your email, only look at social media a couple times a day. But quite honestly, I have it open all the time because <laughs> I I think a big part of growing my business as quickly as I am is respond, you know, simple things like responding to emails quickly, um, being active on Facebook, making comments, and being on the radar of prospective clients, or maybe not even prospective clients, but the people that can refer people to you. Um, So it's really been all about relationships. I'm active in the Your Virtual Assistant Facebook group. I've met tons of people that way. Um, And I just I make relationships, and I just get my voice out there, and I'm not hiding in my home office with Facebook closed down. I'm actually very active on social media, and that's what's gotten me a lot of clients is just touching base with people, getting on the phone with people. I've had multiple mm-hmm. people that kind of express interest in what I'm doing, and we actually just get on the phone and have a conversation. It's so powerful. I love it. I love it to pieces, and I think that's very true. All of us have virtual teams. We have assistants. I know that I myself am very active on LinkedIn and Facebook, which are really the two core places for me to locate customers for my business. I can't be every place, every time. So I do have two assistants who help me curate some of this stuff, who help me get some of the message out, who help me with some of the status updates, who alert me if there's a discussion going on somewhere that I might want to jump into, which which is great. But I know that really growing my business has been through discussion groups on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I saw you doing that very early. I know you got involved with the virtual assistant group owned by Denise Griffiths and a couple others. And I noticed how that just really got the ball rolling for you. So for everybody listening to this show, bear in mind that social media is a very easy place to find 
clients if you are starting out in business and need to get some clients in the door very quickly. And one of the fastest ways to do it is to get into discussion groups and leverage the opportunity to be seen as an expert so that people want to get to know you, find their reasons to like you, and decide to trust you enough to do business with you. It's, uh, you don't go into discussion groups and toot your own horn. You just go into discussion right. groups and discuss things. And I hate to say clients magically appear, but Jessica, is it not your experience that's sort of how it happens for you too? No, it absolutely is. And I would be remiss if I didn't actually say that a huge part of growing my business is having a business coach. Um, my dad's right. probably sitting in his seat rolling his eyes if he doesn't listen to me um, point out the fact that he is my business coach. And, um, you know, some is, well, some have told me I'm lucky. My dad is Jim Palmer. He's my business coach. But honestly, you, you, you know, you can create your own luck. If your dad's not a business coach, you go out and find a business coach. You find a mentor. You listen to podcasts. You read books. You need to educate yourself because when you educate yourself and you get guidance from mentors and coaches, they're going to point you in the right directions. I mean, as an entrepreneur, we always have so many ideas and different directions we want to go, and you really need someone who can kind of tell you if your ideas are good and uh, if your ideas are good or not. I've had ideas that my dad's kind of like, that's great, but you know, kind of be bringing bringing me back to earth a little bit, and um, you know, telling me if something's a good idea or not. So that's really been a way that I've been able to grow. Is I don't run after the ideas that are horrible. I run it by my coach, um, and so everyone can do right. that. Get a mentor, and. If, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I can't afford a mentor or a coach. Well, first of all, figure out if, you know, figure out that it's an investment and make it happen. Or, mm-hmm. like we were talking about this discussion groups, be active in those groups because there are endless amounts of other entrepreneurs that are totally willing to give you feedback and advice. So, um, so yeah, having a coach and a mentor is honestly probably the number one way I've grown is having that person who can guide me along. Exactly, exactly. Jim's also been my coach and I belong to his Ride the Rebound Mastermind. I've been a member of his mastermind groups for several years. And the thing with Jim Palmer is he's admittedly not the flashiest marketer out there. He's not the one sending all the emails to say, hurry, 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 discount ends, that type of thing. And But he's very focused on his Stick Like Lou radio podcast. He's very focused on Newsletter Guru TV. He's very focused on educating his audience of the value that his various companies and his various service lines offer. I mean, again, he's not the flashiest guy out there, but he's one of the most solid guys out there. And his business in the six years he's been my client has just been one steady upward growth curve. It's it's mm-hmm. very consistent. It's very strong. It's very stable. And he has an incredible support team behind him. Of all the clients that we work with, he has one of the best support teams that I've ever seen in terms of not only my own clients, but just, in general, any business that's based online, he has one of the best support teams out there. And I know that Jim also has masterminds that he belongs to. He has coaches himself. And by coach mm-hmm. folks, and we're about to dive into this whole Pinterest infographics thing. So before I say that, just one final thought. When we talk about a business mentor or a coach, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an official business mentor or coach. Look for somebody who has taken at least a few steps down the road successfully, down the road you are now traveling, somebody who has blazed the trail that you are now following, even if they're just a few steps ahead of you and you can still see them just ahead of you. Because remember, Mm -hmm. they're ahead of you. They've traveled the road you're now traveling. They know where the potholes are. They know where the expressways are. They know where the shortcuts are. They know how to help you navigate that path to be successful. So that's really what a mentor or a coach is, is somebody who's just a few steps ahead of you who's going to, 
pull you along behind them and get you to where they are. And then as they continue to advance, they'll continue to bring you along. That's how you find a long-term mentoring relationship. You find somebody who just wants a step ahead of you. I have a few people who are just a few steps ahead of me, and I follow them. And I now have a few people behind me who are just right behind me who follow me along. So really, just get on that conga line. Mm, love it. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm gonna have to use I'm gonna have to use that the conga line. So I love it so much. Lis- yes. So our, so our listeners are probably thinking to themselves now. Okay, blah 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 blah. Not Pinterest marketing infographics. So let's do it. First of all, all Jessica, right. tell us a little tell us a little bit about this Pinterest. What is it, and why should entrepreneurs be using it? All right, Pinterest is a social media platform, and it is actually the third most popular social media platform online right now. And you can probably guess what the first two are, um, Facebook and Twitter. But Pinterest is extremely popular. It started just about three, three and a half years ago back in 2010 and has just grown by leaps and bounds and is actually quite addictive to the users that are on there. It has a lot of personal users, people that are on there pinning their favorite recipes and home decor ideas. And I've totally got my start painting recipes and home decor ideas, but it's actually been really, really useful for entrepreneurs and for businesses. And so the Pinterest business, um, or Pinterest has really grown business pages and really making it easy for businesses to drive traffic to their websites from Pinterest. Um, So what it is, it's an online virtual bulletin board. Back in the Stone Ages when we actually had cork boards in our office and we would pin up magazine articles and pictures, Um, well, those days are long gone. (laughs) And we're now using Pinterest. Um, Online virtual, there are boards and there are pins. So you can organize your pin boards by category. Um, you know, so by your business, you can have a board with interviews you've done, your interests, organize them by category, and then within those boards are pins of images that are linked back to your website or to another website, wherever the image is coming from. Um, And it's similar to Twitter in that you can follow anyone and anyone can follow you. So there aren't Facebook, you know, there aren't friend requests. Your board is your boards aren't kept private until someone's following you. It's really just this open forum of tons of content that just goes viral, and that's really viral right there is the main word why people should be using Pinterest is because mm-hmm. content goes viral. It gets repinned and repinned and shared and shared, and you pin something today, and if it's good, if it's got you know an optimized pin description, a good image, it's going to be shared months and years down the road. So uh, it's just so important that people are on there. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are some of the strategies that you use for yourself and for your clients to help grow their following on Pinterest? This is very interesting to me because I've, I, I got a Pinterest account when it first came out just to grab my name. But it's only within the past month or so that I've really gotten serious. I'm really starting to build up my boards. Uh, I'm starting to get some stuff about website conversions and Internet marketing. I'm starting to use it as a way to create backlinks and traffic to my websites. And, yes, Jessica, I do have a board that's about lolcats. Anybody who knows me even for a minute knows I love lolcats. Yes, I have a lolcat board. And and there are appearances by Grumpy Cat and Business Cat and Vegetarian Kitty and and, uh, the other one that I follow, uh, 
I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's the one where it's like the inbred cat where the cat's sticking its head through a piece of bread. I have a few of those as well. That's, uh, that's, my, other, that's my other favorite. So, uh, I love so it, though. Some... I actually have a mole cat book, okay? So I'm right yeah. there with you. Um, <laughs> I want to get some strategies. I have a calendar. <laughs> I knew we had a lot in common, Adam. So um, yeah. I know that there – I want to share some strategies. There was a couple other things that I – I didn't mention before, but um, you know, 80% of the repin of the pins on Pinterest are actually repins. So I talked about how Pinterest pins are. Um, it's a really viral platform. Things just get shared and recirculated throughout the web or throughout this this platform. Um, so I have a really really awesome story, um, kind of a success Pinterest story. Um, so I manage my right. dad's Pinterest page. Um, I design his infographics. Um, I keep his content up there, relevant, and circulating through. And several months ago, I designed an infographic um, called Business Success, and I basically took out some success tips that are in his book, It's Okay to Be Scared But Never Give Up, um, because we're going right. to talk about this later in the interview about infographics. But um, I took, you know, I kind of repurposed some of the content in his book, put it in an infographic, and slapped it up on Pinterest, and the pin description was business success. And one of Pinterest is really also a search engine. I, I use it as yeah. a search engine when I want to find information. So that's another really cool thing about Pinterest is when people need information, they're not just going to Google anymore. They're going to Pinterest. So when you actually search business success into Pinterest, the first infographic at the top row is this infographic. Um, so that is just really speaks to the power of optimizing your pin description and having infograph or you know having any type of pin or image that is going to be appealing to people. So I designed this months ago, pinned it months ago. It was quite frankly one of the more simple infographics I designed, but because it was the description is optimized, um, you know has optimized keyword description. It's appealing. It kind of stands out. Months later down the road, it's being repinned. My dad's gaining new followers from it. Um, it's driving more traffic to his website, and his book sales have increased with that book. So um, yes. really, really just powerful story there of really why entrepreneurs should be using Pinterest. Um, right. So, so I want to talk a little bit about the strategies of how to grow a following because on any social media platform, you know, we want a lot of followers because if we have a lot of followers, we're going to get more attention and more traffic to our website. So the first thing that's really important to know about Pinterest is it's not as important to have thousands and thousands of followers as it is important to have a smaller number of followers that are really quality and uh, meaningful to what you're doing. So. My first tip is, you know, there are a lot of um, businesses out there that are offering different services around Pinterest, and if really if anyone offers you a service to grow your Pinterest following by hundreds of thousands overnight, just, just run away because that's not what Pinterest right. is about. You know, you don't want to just all of a sudden gain a 1,000 followers overnight. That's not how it works. You want to really gain followers that decide to follow you, that they find you and they say, I want to follow this person because that's a quality connection that you've just made with someone online. Yes. Um, so it's viral. So when you repin someone's – so when you re, when somebody repins your content by going to their page, finding the pin, and leaving a comment thanking them is a really huge way to gain followers because you're standing out. 
when you look at a pin on the on the Pinterest feed, you can actually see all the comments below. So basically, getting your getting your name and your picture all over Pinterest, um, you know, in a in a strategic way, not just spam everyone, um, but getting your name out there, thanking, standing out, inviting people to follow mm -hmm. you is a really great way to to gain your following. Have you done a couple of those things, Adam, on on your Pinterest page or? That these are some of the things, as I said, we're just getting started with. Pinterest mm -hmm. is like the new frontier that we're currently scaling, which is another reason I'll tell you. A part of my motives on having you on the Business Creators Radio Show were a little bit selfish. I want to pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to do it because I love talking Pinterest. Um, uh, it's not the only interview I've done about Pinterest because it's really I I just love sharing the tips because these it's just these little strategies and these little tweaks people can make with their marketing efforts on Pinterest can really show a lot of really great results. Um, so a couple other things um, that made me just think of what little strategy was isn't necessary. It is about great gaining your following. It's just organizing your boards. So I know, Adam, you know a ton about web conversions, getting people to get to your website and actually convert. So um, it's similar with Pinterest. When someone goes to your Pinterest page, you want to kind of see what do they see. Um, you want the boards to be organized in a way that's going to appeal um, to your ideal follower. So having boards on the top row that are um, most about your business or um, you know, that are going to be appeal to your idea followers and those having those at the top. Um, you know, I put kind of like my recipe boards and home decor boards, things like that, kind of at the bottom because I want to gain a following on Pinterest of other entrepreneurs um, and people that I can connect with in business, and they don't really care what I'm making for dinner. So I, I still like to pin <laughs> those things, but I don't make it at the top of my Pinterest board. So little tweaks like that and also having like, the board cover, whatever image is at the cover of the board, making that really appealing. Um, some people actually use images specifically for the cover of their board. Um, so just pinning an image that describes what the board is and have that be the board cover, which I think that's kind of a cool idea as well. I like that so, a lot. Yeah. yeah, I do like I do like that. And one point I want to just really pull out of what you said is you're absolutely right. If anybody comes to you and says, I can get you a 1,000 pins in 24 hours, yes, run like the plague. That's one thing I want to pull out. Another thing that I want to pull out real quickly here is I'm a little bit of a different type of website conversions expert than many of the other website conversion experts out there because typically when you hear that phrase, website conversions, we're talking about uh, – heat maps and quick tail and how do we position the specific shade of red in the headline and all that. And yes, all that is very important because we need to look at the psychology and how the human mind interprets the information it sees. And that is all part of website conversions. I also fervently believe, and this is what makes me different, is that when we talk about website conversions, we need to talk about both on-page and off-page website conversions. Just like we have on-page and off-page search engine optimization, we have on-page and off-page website conversions. Pinterest is a key piece of off-site website conversions, and we're going to see that even more when you tell us about infographics here in just a second, because my belief is you will increase your website conversions when the visitors you are bringing to your web pages, note what I said, visitors you're bringing to your web pages, not the traffic you're driving to your website. The visitors you're bringing to your web pages are pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped. 
So it's not so much that they have to investigate your web page. It's more that they already know why they're coming. They know what it is they're supposed to find, and all your web page has to do is give it to them. You get them pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped through the website conversion conversations, through social media, through email, and through Pinterest, and these things called infographics. So before we dive into infographics, tell me a little bit about what makes a graphic on Pinterest pinnable, since you said that the majority of pins on Pinterest are actually things that people have repinned from other people's Pinterest boards. Yes, so pinnable, and what I mean by a Pinterest image being pinnable is that people want to pin it. Um, you know, when when someone's hanging out on Pinterest, and I really do mean that because people log on to Pinterest, and it's it's not like Facebook where they're just kind of popping over and scrolling through newsfeed and going back to what they're doing. When Pinterest users log on to Pinterest, they are there to hang out and to pin things and to find interesting images and information. So you want your images to be pinnable, meaning you want people to pin them onto their boards. So the first basic um, kind of technical aspect of, of a pinnable image is that um, Pinterest lets pins be 600 pixels wide. And yes. if you do pin an image that's wider than that, say up to 800, it will still pin, but they'll kind of shrink it and it'll get kind of pixely and ugly. So I'm speaking with images that are 600 pixels wide and that it can be as long as you want. I don't know of a limit in how long pins can be. Um, to my knowledge, Pinterest won't you know, not pin something if it's too long. They will crop it and then you'll have to click expand pin if it's very long. Um, right. But you know, a thousand pixels long, be very, very long because the key there is you're taking up a lot of real estate on the Pinterest feed. Um, so most of the pins are squares, little rectangles, but if you have something that's very, very long, then it's just going to attract more attention. So right there, attracting more attention and taking up more space is a way to get more pins. Um, you also really want to have a call to action on your images. So while Pinterest is an image-based platform, it's so important to have text on your images. And it's very easy to do this. Um, obviously, if you use Photoshop or anything like that, you know how to add text to images. But a really cool website and kind of a secret that I have is a website called PicMonkey. So it's P-I-C-Monkey.com. It's free. Right. They have a royal version where you can pay just a little bit and get way more for your money. Um, but that's a website where you can make images look cool, kind of add effects to them. Um, add text to them. I use that all the time. And you can pin right from that website or save the image and upload the pin. Um, so again, just adding a call to action, whether that's click here to read the blog post or uh, pin it to win it. There are Pinterest contests. So any type of text. Um, the next type of pinnable image that I want to really touch on is quotes. So who doesn't love a good quote that makes you feel good, feel warm and fuzzy, right, Adam? I know that you love yeah. warm and fuzzy quotes. <laughs> and also, memes are really huge with your lol cats. I mean, you couldn't have a good lol cat image without some text on it <laughs> without a good yeah, quote. <laughs> so adding a really good quote, whether it's humorous, people love to laugh, they love to read quotes that, you know, remind them of their life. So just pinning quotes, there's a really cool website. Again, there's so many cool tools you can use online called Quozio where you can actually type in your quote, who said it, and then you can pick the really cool background and then pin right from that site. Um, so there's a lot of great tools out there. So when you're pinning, you don't just want to pin, in half, pin images haphazardly and pin a ton. You want to really focus on really quality images that people are going to be attracted to. Um, and then really just beautiful images. Um, you don't 
have to be a photographer, a professional photographer, to be a great Pinterest marketer. I have used my iPhone to take pictures outside, take pictures. When I was at the beach, I took a lot of pictures of the ocean, and then I used PicMonkey to add cool quotes on top of that picture. So it's really just being my own photographer and making the image really cool, putting some text on it, and got a lot of repins um, just from that strategy. So really just having a creative eye and kind of being artistic with your Pinterest marketing is going to get a lot of attention, and it's going to you know, show your personality um, in your marketing. And then, of course, infographics, which I won't talk a lot about because we're going to talk about that more later. Yeah, actually, we're just about, actually, we're just about there. So awesome. later is now. So yes. tell us, what are these infographics? <laughs> We're about halfway through the hour here, so I think now is a really great time to transition. What are these infographics yeah. you keep mentioning? And you know, actually, two-part question. First of all, define them and describe them. And then tell us, how mm -hmm. can entrepreneurs use custom infographics on social media such as Pinterest? Cool. So an, information, an, an infographic is an information graphic. Um, so, you know, they're really kind of picking up speed um, on social media, but they've been used for ages and ages um, through, you know, magazine articles, just any type of graphic that has information on it is an infographic. But yes. Specifically, what we're really going to focus on is the infographic that you find on Pinterest. That's, like I said, it's about six to 800 pixels wide. Um, and maybe up to 2,000 pixels long. Um, and it's really where you kind of have an, an eye-catching title to the graphic, and then it tells you a story and it provides information. Um, basically, you can repurpose any type of content that you've already made, whether that's a book, a special report, a podcast episode, a radio show episode, um, you know, web TV episode that you had transcribed, anything that you've done, repurpose it and make an infographic out of it. I know, Adam, you talk a lot about and I know you advise people on repurposing content. Um, when you create content, you can reuse that and repurpose it into different forms because content, you know, content is king. So infographics are a huge way where you can take content you've already created and then repurpose it and pin it to Pinterest because images really just get so much more attention, not only on Pinterest but on Facebook as well. I know when you, um, when you pin images to Facebook, you're getting more attention. So what I've actually been doing recently with um, with Pinterest infographics is actually giving my clients a preview of the infographics that they can pin that I can post on Facebook because Facebook won't if you pin a infographic or I'm sorry if you post an infographic to Facebook it won't show because you can't post um, images that are that big but if you post right. a cross version of it and then link it to Pinterest or link back to your website that's a way to utilize infographics on social media, on Facebook. And you can do the same thing with Twitter as well, pinning, um, tweeting uh, a link to your infographic. Um, so, yeah, so Adam, can you, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of repurposing uh, content? Because that's really a huge strategy in infographics is that, that basic concept of repurposing content you've already made. Oh, you're going to turn the chair on me. Wow, Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, the interviewer gets interviewed. Uh, I want to bring out one point first off, and I want to make sure our listeners catch this because I'm guilty of this myself, and you just kind of showed me the way around it, is posting infographics on Facebook. And now if your infographic is very vertically oriented where it's very tall, it's going to look very small on Facebook, uh, even if you click on the image to expand it. And Facebook doesn't really let you zoom in like 
most web pages do. So you're going to have a little bit of a challenge with people being able to see that infographic. So if you take a clip of it or like a like a snapshot of a piece of it and then link it to your Pinterest board, then people can get the full page version. So that's a really great way of linking one social media platform to the other and helping people see the various different places and ways they can consume your message. Now, in terms of multipurposing content, I know that many folks struggle, and I sometimes struggle with this too. I'll be candid. Part of the reason we're doing the Business Creators Radio Show is because sometimes I get tired blogging all the time. There's only so much you can write, and there's only and, and I see this a lot. Uh, there's only so many topics in your industry or niche, and how many times can you keep saying the same thing is a challenge that some people run into sometimes. So being able to multipurpose content, I'll just give you a quick example. This interview we're doing right now for the Business Creators Radio Show, this is something that's going to be content for our website, businesscreatorsradioshow.com. I'll probably write an article about this topic on helpmywebsitesell.com, and I'll probably say, here are some highlights from our interview with Jessica. So I'll probably do something like that. So because we're talking out these points, we're generating a body of content that can be picked at to create other pieces of content, like other blog posts. Uh, here are some other things that I could potentially do with this recording. Now, it's going to go on our iTunes channel, so make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just look up Business Creators Radio Show on iTunes or look for the big graphic on businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You can subscribe to our iTunes. So that recording is going to go through there. Uh, I'm gonna, I could post this in our Business Creators Institute, which is our free library of resources, or put a link to it there. I could have it transcribed, have a transcription of it made. There are many transcription companies out there. One of the ones that I like is called Magiscript at Magiscript.com. I know there are other solutions out there. Magiscript to me is the best. Uh, and with that transcript, I can now carve out blog posts. I can create Facebook status updates and Twitter tweets. I can find some of the nuggets of our conversation, like the thing about how to properly post an infographic on Facebook and link it to your Pinterest. I mean, that's a potential status update or a snippet or one of my Tuesday tech tip videos. I can, uh, I can make a video of this recording where basically all I do is I put the MP3 into Camtasia and I have a still image and I just make a video of it and then I post that on YouTube. So, the same content can be found through YouTube. I can also cut out pieces of this interview and create several YouTube videos with a still or a slideshow. And there are many people out there who can very quickly build slideshows where you can basically turn audios into videos and put those on YouTube. Uh, let's see what else I can do with this. Just having a radio show. An, <laughs> you can also yeah, make an I'm infographic. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, I'm getting here because I want to. I want to dive into that a little bit. I'm not to steal your thunder or anything. I'm, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. The fact that you're, I'm doing this radio show means I have stuff to talk about on every single social network. Uh, so there's multi-purposing right there. And now to come back to what you are just so eager for me to say, infographics. <laughs> infographics are developed, and you can tell us more about the process. But I'll just give you the the surface view. You of course have the depth on this. Infographics are created by, in many cases, getting together your facts and your figures and your statistics or your story or your process and turning that into something that looks like a stepwise image or a chart 
or a bubble graph. That's what a lot of infographics I see, and some of the ones I've seen you create through PinterestInfographics.com. These are a great way to multipurpose your content because remembering that 90% of the information that comes to the human brain is visual, and that 65% of all human beings are visual learners, you can take that message that's in your recording or your blog post or your transcript or your video, and you can turn that into an image that people can scan. So that's the surface level. Take us in depth. Right, right. So um, really creating infographics that starts with knowing, you know, first of all, what content you're going to be putting into the infographic and then knowing, you know, I talked about taking a book chapter or a special report and putting it into an infographic. Really what I mean is pulling out the highlights of that chapter or that report or that blog post because an infographic is not these full sentences and long text um, that you're putting just slapping onto a graphic. You want to kind of pull right. out the highlights. And so really, I honestly, the skill that I go back to is sitting in college and high school and knowing how to write an outline for a paper. You want to find out the most important quotes, um, the most important tips and strategies um, in whatever content that you're putting into the infographic, um, knowing what the most important uh, important pieces are. And then we all like to think about kind of metaphors and analogies. We talked about images. Um, when my dad posts success tips, he always has a picture, um, almost always has a picture that, you know, kind of relates to it. Um, so in today's um, in today's blog post at newsletterguru.com, there's a it's about being competitive in today's competitive uh, being you know competing um, it's a competitive market. So there's a picture of you know businessmen running on the track, and so yes. it's kind of like you know just being creative with an analogy or a metaphor you might think of. So that's what infographics are all about is you know taking um, pictures that would make you think of the um, of the information that you're writing about right. and then putting those along. And also, like, colors are really huge, knowing what kind of colors are going to appeal to the people that you want to appeal to. So I designed infographics for um, Jason Silverman and the Power Force character development. Uh, they're, you know, the people that they're really um, getting these infographics to are parents of children that are in martial arts schools and dance schools and cheer gyms. So when I design a lot of their infographics, um, there are a lot of kind of lighter colors, pinks, blues, um, you know, colors that are more appealing to, to probably mostly moms. And then when I design infographics for my dad about business, um, I'm thinking about, you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur is going to be looking at this, not a mother of a 10-year-old girl. So really kind of thinking about who your audience is and choosing colors and pictures and a theme, font, um, you know, the text, the font that you're going to be using um, is really key. Using kind of a friendly font with, you know, hearts instead of the dot above the eye are better right. when you're looking after women or moms. Um, and then more kind of bold font is better when you're going after men or entrepreneurs. So. It's really when I design infographics and when you design graphics like this, um, you want to think about who your ideal follower is, who your ideal client is, and designing it with their eye in mind. Precisely. I really like that. And I just have to tell a real funny story here about multipurposing because I like how infographics are a great way to multipurpose content. They're a great way to get the message out there so much quicker. With 
the Internet, with computers, with social media, with this information superhighway, I know we're still using that phrase, which was so trendy 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> human attention spans have declined significantly. People really don't have time to read, uh, and they're looking for a way that they can consume the information they need in a few seconds. We're a low-information, high-action society, and in the age of Internet marketing, in the age of online business, we have the model of the business leader, the entrepreneur, the CEO, who is in a market that moves so fast that they are forced to make global decisions, grand strategy decisions with very limited information. And an infographic is a great way to give them very concisely the facts and figures or the research that they need to help make smart decisions. So if you have infographics as part of your marketing mix to deliver your message, and your audience can consume very quickly your message, they're going to see you as an expert and as a thought leader because you're solving their problems. And again, 90% of the information that the human brain takes in is visual, so that is a great way to reach people's minds very quickly. I, Time and time again, I make the analogy of, Jess, remember when we were in college? I know you went to college in a different place than I did. Do you remember when we were in college and we had assigned reading for class that so we had to make sure we got done case or the pop quiz? Sure. Remember night before you have to read the chapters and it's already like 1130 at night and you really just want to go hang out <laughs> or your roommates <laughs> might be throwing a party and you wish you were at the party, which is right outside your bedroom door and you have your headphones on. And so you pick up this thick book and you find chapter 7. And so you figure out that chapter 7 begins on page 86 and ends on page 103. Did you find yourself sort of flipping through the pages seeing if there were any like section breaks or subheaders or pictures? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yes. Because, yes. yeah, you thought, you're always drawn to, you know, to the text that's in a bubble. Um, I don't know if you ever see, that just made me think of the show Bar Rescue. Do you watch that, Adam? No. Okay. Well, it's the show where he goes in and kind of um, helps these the the owners of of bars and restaurants kind of rescue their bar. And um, he talks about the science of the menu and how a menu at a restaurant or a bar people are drawn to the the drink specials or the menu items that are in that have a picture next to them or are in a highlighted um, bolded box. And yeah. he always talks about putting the most profitable item in that box, even if it's not the most expensive, it's the most profitable to put in that box. So the same with infographics, you want to put the best information in a graphic because more people are going to be drawn to it. Absolutely. So you get the idea. So if you flip those 17 pages and all you found was page after page of long paragraphs with very small Times New Roman fonts, did you notice you were already starting to feel physically tired just looking at that? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Did, you also, did you also ever find yourselves in situations where you read maybe five or six pages or maybe you read the entire chapter, and then you stopped and you realized, you know, what the hell did I just read? I didn't comprehend a damn word of it. My mind just wandered the entire time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I would do the same thing. I'd actually be daydreaming about things while I was reading, so my mind was processing one thing, and I was seeing visual images in my mind, and while, and while I was performing the function of reading through the paragraphs and those long, boring lines, I wasn't really comprehending what was on the page. Now, 
However, I mean, I can't think of any specific instances off the top of my mind, but I'm sure if I spent more than 30 seconds thinking about it, I'd come up with a whole bunch. I could probably remember if there was a picture within that chapter, what that chapter was of. In fact, actually right now I'm thinking of one of Bill O'Reilly's books. I can't remember which one it was, but I'm seeing a picture of President Barack Obama standing next to the former president of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, and they're holding up champagne glasses. And there was a caption underneath that picture that says, what exactly are we toasting? Now, I don't have an I I don't have a clue what that chapter was about. I'd have to walk over to my bookshelf, pull out the book, open up that chapter and find that picture and read around it to find out what what O'Reilly was saying that they what treaty they probably signed or whatever, or what agreement they reached that O'Reilly was about to say was bad for America or what have you. I I would have to go back and look at that, but to this day and it's been a year since I've read that book, I still see that picture in my mind. So imagine if in these chapters we were given assigned readings for, there were these things called infographics that pulled out the statistics. We might remember something very simple like 90% of the, human inform- 90% of the information that comes in the human brain is visual, and 65% of all human beings are visual learners. So if this was a chapter we were given on uh, NLP and marketing or persuasion and marketing, we might remember those statistics and be able to regurgitate those on, a, on that pop quiz and get an A. I totally agree with you. It's, I totally agree. And, you know, within an infographic, I talked about using pictures and images that really appeal. It's not just about having a colorful background and some fun shapes along. You want to pick out those, those um, shapes and those images that are going to tie into to the text that you're typing on the infographic. So statistics are a really, really great fact to have on infographics. So whenever I write, you know, 50% of Pinterest users are women or 50% of Pinterest users are um parents, you know, I'll have a little pie chart with that shows that 50% is is what I'm saying. So not only am I writing 50%, but I'm also putting a pie chart that shows, you know, 50% of the pie filled in. So just little things like that, you're actually communicating to people in more than one way, just in one, uh, just in one piece of content, in one graphic. Right. And we have time for about one more question, but let me just hit this one more time to really bring this home. Is You know how I've said on the call several times, 90% of the information that comes to the human brain is visual, and 65% of all human beings are visual learners? I remember that information because I was doing research for our interview on this topic, and I've actually done this research before just in terms of some of my website conversions teachings because I've mentioned infographics before in my blog posts and such. I found that information when I was doing research on the topic on an infographic. Mm. That's why it sticks in my mind. I found it on infographics. So there's one question that I, I know is on a number of our listeners' minds here. And just like we have do's and don'ts of Facebook and do's and don'ts of LinkedIn and do's and don'ts of Twitter, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts are going to make me doze off here. What are some of the do's and don'ts of Pinterest marketing? Because we don't want to be looking like one of those sleazeballs just trying to sell something on Pinterest now, do we? Sure. No, 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 no. So, yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, the most important thing to think about with Pinterest is that you're not there to advertise your services or your products. It is a place where you can do that. Um, So my do's and don'ts, sometimes they come with – you know, exceptions or, you know, it depends what the situation is. But, you know, for the most part, you want to focus on providing content and value that is going to be of interest 
to your followers. So if you're just pinning things about your services or your products and saying like, oh, I have a sale, this is how much I cost, you know, nobody's going to repin that. Nobody's going to follow you because, frankly, they don't want to see that information. Um, Pinterest is a way, just like all social media, is a way to really build that know, like, and trust factor with your following. So um, a couple of the do's and don'ts is follow people who follow you. I, I'm just big on, you know, when somebody follows me, I like going to their page and seeing who they are and following all their boards or choosing which boards that I want to follow. Um, it just really builds that sense of community on this platform. Um, and then when you follow other people, the idea is that's another way to build your following is because a lot of people will follow you back because you're, you're making that connection there. Um, one of my big do's is leave comments um, because not a, there are no direct messages on Pinterest. So um, that's right. one really big thing. You can't direct message someone. You can leave comments. <laughs> so leaving comments, we talked about this earlier in the interview, but that's a really big way to stand out. And specifically when I leave comments, you know, probably 90% of the time it's to thank someone for repinning my image um, because really when they repin something that gets linked to your website, that's awesome. That's kind of like high five to you. You just made your content go viral, but you don't just want to do a happy dance in your office. You want to actually go back to that person and say, hey, thanks so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. Um, I love this quote. and just It's really just that common courtesy that's going to make you stand out. Um, and then a really big don't that I, I was so offended when this happened to my client is you have the ability to change where an image gets linked to. So if I were to repin one of your lolcat images, Adam, onto my board, I can then edit that pin and have it go to PinterestInfographics.com. And how yes. would you feel if I did that? Um, here, that that's kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, <laughs> I would be happy to see my image out there again. And if I'm putting out an infographic, I'm going to make sure that my own website is on that infographic somewhere. That's also very important. Right. If you're using Pinterest to market your, your business, make sure that you have a link to your own website on that. So if you took my image and you put it on your Pinterest board and you linked it back to PinterestInfographics.com or whatever, if my right. website was on that graphic, I wouldn't be totally thrown off because people could still see yeah. the original source and my name would get injected in your conversation and people following you would see a little bit of me. So... I wouldn't be over the edge on that. Um, right. Now, that's only because my URL is on that infographic. However, if you took one of my infographics and you clipped off my URL or you edited out my URL um, and you really tried to present it as yours, uh, yeah, I would be a little bit burned. This is why if we want to talk yeah. about lolcats, there are so many Facebook fan pages. You have Love Meow and And My Cat and Cat Addicts Anonymous uh, that – all generate their own lolcats. Um, you know, the cheeseburger websites generate them. Uh, and you'll notice that all these lolcat pictures, just about all of them, have some sort of website or some sort of Twitter handle near the bottom of them that say this is where it came from originally. And I, and I see that uh, some of these sites are using each other's lolcats, uh, which, I mean, as long as you can tell where it originally came from, it's okay. But if you're appropriating my intellectual property and using it to promote your own business and you're not even giving me a shout-out, you want know, to be a little bit burned by that. If you are, yes. and, and if you're deliberately, deliberately just downloading my images and then re-uploading them to Pinterest to link them back to your web page, uh, yeah, that's to me that's just that's just dirty pull. I mean, 
Right. It's right. so inexpensive. It's so inexpensive and so easy to get uh, graphic to get infographics done. I mean, your company has a great offering for that, and uh, and it's so easy to find relevant images that don't belong to other people in that way and put them up there to convey your own message. That there's really no reason. There's no reason to steal. We can all be friendly here. Oh, absolutely. So, Adam, you really hit the nail on the head, and you really made my point for me. Which so thank you. Um, it just you feel burned, and so I um. You know, I learned this lesson of putting, you know, my client's URL on the image because I made a really awesome image, had a great graphic, great text, um, but I failed to put the URL at the bottom. And then somebody repinned it, and I said, oh, great, somebody repinned it onto a really cool group board. And I go to the pin, and it links to his website, not my client, somebody else's. And I was just, right. I was screamed. I'm like, What? Are you kidding me? I made that image, you know, I got like I got that stock image myself and then so and I said, Well, first of all, I'm gonna always put, you know, the newslettergrewer.com on my dad's images because at least if somebody changes the link it'll still have it. But, you know, I would still be really angry because honestly, not many people are gonna look at the image and then type the whole thing into their um, you know, into their web browser. It's just easier to click through to see what's behind. So yeah, that's a big don't. Don't change someone's link period. It's as simple as that. Just, you know, it's like common courtesy. You don't change something to go to your website. And then um, my last don't is just don't spam Pinterest. Um, I yes. really go by pin little and pin often. Um, so I usually space out my pins, um, sometimes at most an hour, but at little every 15 minutes. Um, because right. it's just, when you go onto Pinterest and it's like one user is taking up the entire feed, I frankly, I just usually click off the site and go back later because I don't. I'm on Pinterest to see lots of different people's content, not just one person's pins. So just right. space it out so you don't annoy anyone because if you annoy someone, they're never going to want to follow you. So just space it out. Right. You know. Also, when you make comments, it's really I mentioned it's good to make comments and thank people. But um, if you go and thank like ten people in a row, Pinterest going like they're going to shut you down because they're going to say. Cool your jets a little bit. You're going crazy. You're going to think that you're a standard. So, right. you know, if you're going to comment, just don't do it all at once. Space it out because you'll look like a robot, and they'll shut you down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll tell you what, Jessica. We uh, have exactly two minutes left here, and uh, we are going to get cut off right at the top of the hour because that's how Blog Talk Radio works. I want to thank you so much for being our inaugural best on inaugural guest, our best inaugural guest on the Business Creators <laughs> Radio Show. And uh, I know that people out there listening to this live or listening to our podcast are going to want to get a hold of you and speak about this more. So how can people connect with you to get more information? Okay, visit PinterestInfographics.com. Um, that's yep. going to bring you to my website. You're going to be able to find my email, my phone number, my Facebook page, my Pinterest. Everything's going to be there. So PinterestInfographics.com. Um, you can learn how I can create an infographic for you. You can learn about my Pinterest marketing services. So um, connect with me on social media. You'll get great Pinterest tips, and uh, I'd love to meet everyone. Very good, very good. And also, I do want to give a shout-out to your other business, interviewconnections.com. So looking for podcast, make sure to check out interviewconnections.com. I, too, am a customer, and I think it's an awesome resource. So once again, everybody, uh, thank you very much for tuning in to Business Creators Radio. Visit our website at www.businessradioshow.com and make sure to sign up for our iTunes podcast. Just look up Business Creators Radio Show and 
any five-star recommendations will be greatly appreciated. We really want you to get the most out of the experience. And again, thank you very much. And thank you again to you, Jessica, for spending time with us today. Thank you, Adam. All right. Everybody, have a great afternoon. Thank you so much. We'll see you.